Raise your hand if you enjoy waiting for things. Yeah, not, not very many of you, right? Most of us don't like to wait for anything. We don't like waiting in line. We don't like waiting in traffic. Remember when you were a kid and you were waiting for Christmas? The week before Christmas is like the longest week in the world when you're a kid, right? You, you know that it's coming. You know that you've got presents waiting for you, but you can't do anything to make it come any faster. It's like the time just drags on that week before Christmas. You know, for some people, Advent calendars are like torture, right? Because you, you can see that little box or that little door where Christmas is, and you see the other ones where you can mark it off or take the candy out or however it works for you, and, but you can't do it fast enough, right? You can only do one day at a time, and it's torture as you're waiting for Christmas to show up because we don't like waiting. How about vacation? You plan a vacation that you just can't wait to go on. You're, you're going to go on a cruise. Or you're going to go uh, to the beach. You've got a cabin in the mountains or by the lake. And then you just can't wait to get away and, and have some fun and shed your responsibilities for a while. And those last two weeks before vacation just drag on forever. You're sitting there at work or at school, and it just seems like time is moving in slow motion as you're waiting for vacation to finally come around. And then isn't it true that once it gets here, like it goes by like that? Like the, 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 the time period before vacation takes forever, and then you finally go on vacation, and it seems like it's over just in a flash? And you're like, how was that even a week? It didn't even feel like a, a, a day you know, when vacation finally gets here. It goes by so fast. It, it, waiting is tough when we know what we're waiting for. And it's tough even when we know when we're going to get it, right? Waiting is even harder when we don't know what's coming and we don't know when it's coming. Uh, for example, I, uh, I worked for a place one time and my boss uh, had this habit of when he would call people into his office... He did this on purpose. He didn't indicate one way or another whether it was good or bad. Uh, he would just say, he would send us a message. We had a, a computer messaging system. And he would say, please come to my office at such and such a time. And we had no idea. You could be coming to get fired or you could be coming to get promoted. You had no idea based on the way that he said it. No smiley faces, no explanation. Just come to my office. And so the time period between when he calls you and you show up, you're just, you're racking your brain. Like, did I do something wrong? Did I mess something up? Am I in trouble? Did I do something right? You have no idea. And the waiting period was really stressful. Uh, how about surprises? Do we have any people in here who just love getting surprises? Okay, some people love surprises. Uh, other people, who, who hates getting surprises? Some people really... Do you? Good, good. Some people really hate surprises, right? That, because the, the waiting and the not knowing stresses them out. You can be like, hey, I've got a surprise for you. And they're like, what is it? You're like, well, I can't tell you because that wouldn't be a surprise. You're like, okay, fine. Well, when am I going to get it? You're like, well, I can't tell you that either because then it wouldn't be a surprise. And in that period of time, they actually stress out wondering what the surprise is going to be or when they're going to get it. For these people, they would rather not even know that a surprise is coming because the waiting can be so stressful. Uh, th this, this, this period of anticipation, of, of anxiety, of not knowing, is very similar to what the disciples would have been feeling as we left them where we did in our sermon last week. So I'll, I'll give us a little bit of a recap here to catch up. 
Uh, last week I told you that we're going to be moving into the book of Acts as we continue our Follow Me series. We spent the entire last year studying the book of Luke, which is a, a, a historical account of the life and ministry of Jesus his teachings and his ministry and how he interacted with his disciples and the miracles he did. Uh, and, and the reason we did that is because we know that to be a Christian is to become like Jesus. So we wanted to know what Jesus was like. So we studied the book of Luke for an entire year. But I told you a year ago that when we did this, we're going to not only take a fresh look at Jesus, but we're going to take a fresh look at the movement he began, a movement that we refer to as the church. It's this Movements that, that began in Jesus' name and over the course of a couple hundred years really sort of took over the entire world without ever swinging a sword. And so to, to study the movement that Jesus began, we're going to look at the book of Acts. The book of Acts, I told you last week, could be called Luke Volume 2. Historians tell us as we study these two documents, if you flip through your New Testament, you'll notice you've got four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four different accounts of the life of Jesus. And then after John comes this book called Acts. Well, really, it would be better if Acts immediately followed Luke, because it's two books by the same author. Luke was a Gentile physician who eventually came to faith in Christ. He was a, a non-Judean doctor who eventually came to believe that Jesus had been resurrected and that the stories about him were true. And so he set out to investigate the stories of Jesus, he tells us in Luke chapter 1. He investigated all the stories, he interviewed the eyewitnesses, he gave us an account of the life of Jesus. And then he wrote another book, and we call it the book of Acts. It's also called the Acts of the Apostles because it's what the apostles did after Jesus had been gone from them. And it's the story of the church, the, the early church and its growth and the way that it spread across the Roman Empire. So Acts is Luke volume 2. So we're going to jump in uh, in Acts chapter 1 and we're going to start in verse 4 as I get sort of a running start, a recap from last week. On one occasion, Luke tells us, while Jesus was eating with them, with his uh, apostles, the apostles he had chosen, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Wait for the gift my father promised. Says, In other words, I want you to stay here, and I want you to wait until you have, my, my dad's sending you a present. Okay? My dad's going to be sending you a present. I want you to wait here until you get it. He says, you've heard me talk about it. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he tells them that there's a gift coming, this gift of the Holy Spirit, and they're supposed to wait in Jerusalem until they get it. Now, for those of us living in the 21st century, you know, or, or for those of us who have lived longer than you know, 20 years, we can remember a time when gifts didn't have tracking numbers. Right? Now, if, if we have a gift coming in the mail, a lot of times we have a tracking number. We can go online and enter the tracking number and see exactly where the gift is. And we can know when it's going to come and maybe even see what's inside. But, but these guys didn't have tracking numbers. It's not like there was you know, FedEx from, from, the, from the Father to Jerusalem. Right? So they didn't know when this gift was going to get here. And they didn't know exactly what this gift was going to be like. And they didn't know exactly uh, even when they would have it, right? So this, it's this gift called the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus has sort of talked about it. And he, he, he said it's, it's going to bring some sort of power. And it's going to give you teaching and, and, and wisdom. But they don't know what it looks like. It's not like they, they could get a package, right? This is, this is the Holy Spirit from the Father that shows up on their doorstep in Jerusalem. They had no idea when it was coming. They had no idea what it was. And they didn't even know how they would know when they got it. So they had some questions for Jesus. Uh, one of the questions they asked was this. They said they gathered around him and asked, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
In other words, they're saying, Jesus, are you finally going to do what we thought you were going to do all along? Are you finally going to break Judea free from Roman oppression? Are you finally going to, to, to get rid of those Romans, to reestablish the kingdom of Israel, bring it back to its former glory? Are you finally going to do what we thought you were going to do before you were crucified? They're still thinking in the wrong terms. And so Jesus patiently redirects them, and this is how he responds. He told them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own power. In other words, don't, don't worry about that. That'll take care of itself all in the right time. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other words, when the gift from my Father gets here, you're going to receive power. And with this power, you will be my witnesses. Right? Not my warriors, uh, but my witnesses. He says, you're going to witness. Witnesses share what they've seen and heard. He says, you are going to witness for me. And then he starts talking about some geographical locations. And again, we talked about this last week, but I really want to emphasize this. A lot of times when we read scripture, we read a little bit too fast. So we become familiar with it. We say, oh, I've heard that before. And we, we, we miss sometimes the, the utter significance of what they would have felt. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this really slow again, just to help us understand what Jesus' apostles would have felt as Jesus said this. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to speak for me in Jerusalem. At which point they're probably nodding their heads. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Jerusalem is the seat of our kingdom. It's where the temple is. It makes sense that we're going to witness for you in Jerusalem. That makes a lot of sense. This is where, this is where everything happens. The temple is the seat. That's where God lives, right? That's what they thought. The temple's where God lives. Um, this is what they're thinking. Uh, so it makes sense that we're going to witness to Jesus in Jerusalem. Good. We're, we're, we're tracking with you. Jesus makes sense. Then he says, and in Judea, at which point they're like, eh, okay, that makes sense. I mean, Jesus, you're from Galilee, we're from Galilee, it's all part of Judea, there used to be one kingdom, maybe this is the first step in reestablishing the kingdom. We're going to be witnesses for you, not only in Jerusalem, but also in the surrounding area of Judea. We'll, we'll go around like you did, Jesus, and we'll teach not only in Jerusalem, but we'll go up north to Galilee and all these other areas. That makes sense. We'll be your witnesses in Judea. Then he goes on. He says, and in Samaria. At which point they would have said, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop right there, Jesus. Back up. We don't go into Samaria, Jesus. You should know this. We don't hang out with those people. We don't talk to them. We don't let our kids play with them. We don't, we don't co-mingle with the Samaritans. Remember, they're, they're the ones who forsake God. They're, they're the ones who worshipped other idols. They're the ones who corrupted the bloodline. Those Samaritans, they're like half-breeds. They're not part of us. We're not, we, we don't witness to them, Jesus. That's, th those are, no, no. We, 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 when we go to Jerusalem, we go around Samaria. We, we don't even pass through it if we can avoid it. What do you mean we're going to be witnesses for you in Samaria? Jesus, you've, you've got it all wrong. That's not how it works. And then, and then Jesus goes on and he says, and to the ends of the earth. At which point their minds just went, Right? This was, this was mind-blowing for them, that they would be witnesses to Jesus, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, not just in Samaria, but everywhere. Witnesses to the Gentiles, those other people who have oppressed us, those other people who have hurt us, that you want us to go not fight against them, but witness to them? Jesus, this doesn't make sense. You see, they had grown up their entire life being completely insider-focused. 
believing that they were God's special people, that, that everything that happened, they, they, they didn't pay any attention to those other people. If other people wanted to become Jews, fine, maybe, but they, they didn't have dinner with them, they didn't play with them, they didn't do business with them. If they could avoid it, they, they were very insider-focused. And so for Jesus to say, you're going to be my witnesses to all of these people who you have been taught to hate your entire life would have been mind-blowing for them. Now, they had missed the point. God's purpose all along had always been for his people to have a global mission, to bless the entire world, to serve the entire world, to serve as a light to the entire world, but they, they missed it. They had always been too insider-focused to, to catch that mission. And so Jesus saying this to them would have really been like a bombshell. And so they would have had lots of questions. Jesus, can you explain this to us? How is this supposed to work? What, how do we go to these people that aren't anything like us? How are we supposed to be witnesses? What do you mean power? You, Jesus, you've got a lot of explaining to do, right? This is, this is what they're thinking at this moment. And so here's how Jesus responds. He says, after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Jesus, Jesus, we've got lots of questions for you. He's like, okay, bye. Jesus, Jesus, explain to us how this is going to work. Jesus, explain to us how the Holy, what the Holy Spirit looks like. How are we going to know when it's here? How are we going to know when we get it? See you later. You'll figure it out. Peace. Right? Jesus just taken up from before them. I think sometimes we, we, we read through this too fast, and we forget that this, like, Jesus drops a mega bombshell on them, and then just disappears. Right? I, I've been trying to think of what would be, like, an equivalent, it, it, and I don't know, I mean, it's like, I don't know, fellas, it's like your, your, your wife shows up one day, you know, out of the blue and says, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant, and then just takes off, you know, I mean, just, you know, so, some sort of mega news, your, your boss shows up and says, um, oh, by the way, you're going to, you're going to be vice president of our plants in uh, Tokyo, see you later, and you're like, but, but I, I don't speak Japanese, you know, it's, it, it, Imagine the, the, the biggest bombshell news you can think of, and then the person who gives it to you doesn't stick around to explain it. Just, you know, and then not only that, doesn't just walk off, but like disappears into the sky, leaving them like... Can, can, you, can, you, at least, can you at least tell us when this is going to happen? Like, what to expect? This is, this is how they were feeling, this, this feeling of of waiting, of anticipation, but, but they don't know what they're waiting for, right? They don't know. They've never received the Holy Spirit before. This is a brand new thing. This has never happened before, something like this. And they don't know when it's going to come. They're like, is it going to come tomorrow? Is it going to come next week? You know, how long do we have to wait? How are we going to know when we got it? Like, it's, it's not like it's going to come in a package, is it? I mean, is it, is it going to be, you know, FedEx to us? How are we going to know when, when we got it? All of these questions, and Jesus just takes off, right? This is funny stuff. You've got to read your Bibles, okay? So, so the story goes on like this. Here's what Luke says. He says, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? Again, this is, this is hilarious stuff. This, is, this just makes me laugh. So here they are. Jesus drops a bombshell on them says, you're going to be witnesses to the entire world. He takes off, and all of a sudden now, two men in white clothes are standing by them talking to them. Like, where, where did you guys come from? 
Like, who are you? Where, where did you come from? This is, I mean, if this, was a, if this was a TV show, this would be a, a, a comedy. This would be like a sitcom, right? Jesus disappears, no instruction. All of a sudden, two men in white are standing there saying, hey, what, what are you guys looking up into the sky for? And they're like, did you not just see what happened? Like, he was here, and then he was gone in the sky. Of, why aren't you looking up into the sky? Like, what's, what's going on here? So you can imagine the distress and the confusion and the anxiety of these disciples. I mean, uh, just imagine what they've been through. So they say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? They go on. This same Jesus, who had been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way as you've seen him go into heaven. At which point they're like, okay, good, 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 good. He's coming back. He's coming back. Maybe he's just going to get a cup of coffee. Right? Maybe, maybe the coffee in heaven is, is really good. He's going to get a cup of coffee, and he's coming right back, and he's going to explain this whole thing to us. Right? The, the, these angels, they show up. We believe they're angels because two men in white who suddenly appear are angels. So, okay, okay. He, he sent some angels. He's just going to get some coffee. Or, or maybe he's just going to take, take a, a vacation for a couple of weeks. Right? That whole crucifixion thing was probably really hard, so he needs some time to rest. He's, just, he's, he's on vacation, but he's going to come back. And he's going to finally explain to us what he means by this whole witnesses thing. He's going to, he's going to help us um, figure this out. Or, you know, maybe at the most he's going to take like a sabbatical for a year, right? He's been, he's been working really hard the past couple of years, teaching and preaching, doing uh, miracles, uh, the crucifixion, resurrection, all very stressful. Maybe he's just, you know, going away for a year and he's going to come back, you know, he's going to explain everything to us. You know, so, the, so they're in this period of waiting. So Luke tells us what they do next. So the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. So they did the only thing they knew to do. Jesus was gone, didn't leave them, you know, he, he gave them some hints, but it was really more confusing than anything. He said, you, you've got a present coming. My dad's sending you something. And when it gets here, oh, you're going to go change the world. Oh, okay. You know, so they go back to where they were from in Jerusalem uh, and uh, and we miss this. We, we miss, I think, sometimes what they would have felt in this moment. Try to imagine what their last two months would have been like. Right there. They're following Jesus. He's doing great miracles. They're going to Jerusalem around Passover. They're expecting something really great. Then all of a sudden, they're sitting together for this Passover meal, and Jesus starts talking real funny about his body and his blood and something about you know, forgiveness of sins, and, and they're not sure what's going on in this, in this meal together. And all of a sudden, while he's praying, he gets arrested by the religious leaders of the day, and he's handed over to the, to the Roman government, and he's crucified, and he's executed. And at that point, you know, their, their entire world comes crashing down. Everything they thought they knew was true, now they believe to be false, because messiahs don't get executed. Messiahs don't get killed by the government. They overthrow the government. And so now everything that they thought was true has come crashing down around them. And they're not sure what they're supposed to do with this new information. And, and so they, they go back and they're hiding because they're afraid that maybe they're next. Maybe the, maybe the Romans are going to come for them because if you go for the leader, sometimes you go for the followers. And so they're hiding. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up again. Right? He had been killed. They watched him on the cross. They saw him be buried in the tomb. And then all of a sudden, now he's back in their midst. And he's got a new body. And they're like, whoa. That's really cool. And he starts talking about the kingdom of God again. And everything seems like it's back to normal. Right? So they're going through this roller coaster of emotions. It's like things are great. Oh my God, things are terrible. He's back with us. Things are great again. And then he's meeting with them. And all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. And they're like, Jesus, you've got to stop doing this to us. 
right? You've got to stop, like, leaving us wondering what's going to happen next. It, this is why, you know, t- we need to take time and, and read the scriptures just a little bit slower and ask ourselves as we read these things, what were these guys, what must they have been feeling right now? What must they have been feeling right now? They're probably asking themselves this question. What do we do now? What do we, I mean, we, we know that what Jesus said was true because he came back from the dead. And if somebody can predict their own re- death and resurrection, well, we should probably go with what they say. And the, uh, very few people can, can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, right? So if somebody does that, we generally go with what they say, but they're like, well, what, what do we do now? Like, what, he, he told us to wait here, but how long are we supposed to wait? How are we going to know when this, this thing called the Holy Spirit is here? See, there are, there are periods in our life that are waiting periods. There are times in our life when we know that we're in transition from one thing to another thing, but we don't know all of the details. Sometimes that's a, a career change, right? Sometimes you, you, you come to a career change. I, maybe, sometimes it's by choice. You realize that what you've been doing for a while, it's time to do something different, but you don't know exactly what. You just know that it's the close of one door, but you don't know what the next door is. And you've got this waiting period in between. And you're like, well, well what do I do in the meantime? How do I figure this out? What's coming? Sometimes it's forced, right? Sometimes we're, we're laid off. Sometimes we, we're downsized. We lose our position. And, and our skills are no longer marketable anymore because technology is caught up to us. And we're like, well, th- this is the only thing I've ever known. What do I do now? How do I move forward? What do I do in this waiting period? Maybe it's the first job after college. You know, you've, you've, gone to, you, you've spent your entire life going to school, and now no, you're not in school any longer, and you've got all of these you know, options in front of you, and you're like, I don't, I mean, I know what I studied, but what do I do now? What, what do I do in, in this waiting period? You know, maybe for, for some people it's, uh, you know, trying to get pregnant. Um, you know, for us, it took us about 18 months the first time of trying to get pregnant. And there's, there's always that waiting period every month where you're like, is it, did, did it take this time? And you're waiting, not knowing, and then either you're disappointed or you're excited. And either way, you know, you, you know you've got things ahead of you, right? If, you, if you're not pregnant, then you realize you've got another month of, of trying. You work through the disappointment of not being pregnant this time. Or you realize you are pregnant, and you're like, oh, okay, we've been trying for this, but, but what do we do now? Like, we've never had a kid before. Like, we've got we to gotta get everything. We've got to get a crib and paint the room and, and all these clothes. And I, what do we do now? And you've got this nine-month period of, like, just stress as you're waiting for this baby to come along, and you've never done this before. You know, maybe it's the first time you, you ask somebody out, right? You ask him out. You ask her out. You send a text message to the one that you're kind of crushing on a little bit. And, you, you know, you finally gather up the courage to say, hey, I kind of like you. Do you like me too? And you send it on an iPhone, and, and you know that they got it because it has the read receipts, right? And then all of a sudden, like, you see the little bubbles pop up because you know they're typing. And then they disappear. You're like, and then the bu- bubbles pop up again. And they disappear, and you're like, come on! Like, I wish I didn't even know you were typing right now, and you're waiting for this response. You don't know if they're going to say yes or say no. You're like, just say something. I can't handle the stress. Right? Uh, maybe, it's a, maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a, a medical test. And, and you go in, and something hasn't been right. And so you go in to get a test. And the test takes two weeks to come back in this period of waiting. You have no idea what's coming. And, and you're like, well, well, what do I do in this period of waiting? And then maybe the test comes back, and it's not what you would hope. And you're like, well, this, this sort of changes everything. And I've never been through this before, and I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's next. I, I haven't done this before. 
This is very similar to how the disciples would have been feeling back as they were going through what they were going through. They had been through a roller coaster of emotion. They had been happy. They had been devastated. They had been happy again, and now they're confused, and they're waiting, and they don't know what to do. So here's what Luke says they did next as we go on. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They were confused. They were waiting. They were anxious. They didn't know what to do. So they did what Jesus had taught them. They gathered together and they joined together constantly in prayer. Which leads me to today's bottom line. If you don't know the way, take time to pray. If you don't know the way, take time to pray. I think sometimes we miss this. In our anxiety, we, we, we hate to wait. And we live in a culture where we don't have to wait for anything anymore, right? Like, we don't have to wait for food. We got fast food. We don't have to wait for internet. Like, if, if internet takes more than two seconds to load, we complain, right? We've, everything is on demand. And we've learned to not be very good at waiting. But sometimes it's in the waiting where God shapes us. And sometimes it's in the waiting where God forms us. And sometimes it's in the waiting where we learn to trust God in a way that we hadn't been able to trust him before. Uh, Many of you know at least part of my story where I had been pursuing ministry with one particular organization. And and we didn't see eye to eye on some things. And it it became clear that we needed to, to separate. And it was a pretty rough separation for us. It was very painful. And so as I left, I, I still believed that God had been calling me to ministry, but we had been burned. And, and, um, and so I, I was trying to figure out, well, how do I do this thing? And I had to wait an entire year, not in, in waiting, in anxiety, in, you know, God, how is this supposed to work? I know what you want me to do, but it doesn't seem to fit right now. And I didn't know when it would fit. I didn't know how it would fit. In that period of time, it forced me to trust God. It forced me to say, okay, I can't control this. It's not in my hands right now. And it, and it just it forced me to turn it over to God and say, okay, I trust you. I trust that in your time, you're going to do what's right. And it helped me to, to, to learn to trust him. So if you don't know the way, take time to pray. Maybe it's a new stage of life. And you're not sure what it's going to look like. You're not sure what it's going to bring. You're in a waiting period. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's things going on in family. Maybe you're waiting to get married. Maybe you're, you're coming out of a marriage. Maybe you're waiting to have a baby. Maybe you've lost somebody and you're not sure what's next. You're not sure what to do. It's okay. It's okay to, to not know what the next step is. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to, to be stressed about that. But if you don't know, if you don't know the way, take time to pray. And gather with other people who will pray with you and for you and, and, and tell them. See, they didn't do this alone. They went back together. They, they went back to, to who had been there for them. They went back to their support network, the people who had been there for them all along. And they prayed together. And they waited. Now, here's the thing about prayer. There's a time to pray and there's a time to act. And, and some, you know, it, we need discernment to know which is which. There's, there's a time to pray, and sometimes, though, the time to pray comes to an end and it becomes time to act. And so next week, we're going to look at the disciples when the time to act comes. Sometimes we use prayer 
as an excuse for inaction, right? We say, well, let me, let me pray about that. But what we really mean is I don't want to do anything about that, right? That's not what prayer was supposed to be. Prayer was never supposed to be an excuse for other inaction. Prayer and action go hand in hand. We, we should pray, and then the prayer should lead us to action. We should pray for the action. Sometimes we act without praying, and that's just as bad, right? We, we, we jump into things without praying, without thinking about it, and that can be just as dangerous and just as harmful. There's a time to pray. There's a time to act. So, so we're going to have waiting periods in life. There's going to be times when, when we don't know what's coming next. We don't know what to expect. But in those times of waiting, God is not absent. And even if God seems silent, he's not absent. And sometimes he uses these periods of waiting to prepare us until the time is right. So in that period of time, we can still trust. If we don't know the way, take time to pray. I don't know what periods of waiting some of you are going through, but you're waiting for something. You're waiting for the next step. If you don't know, if it's not clear, take more time to pray. And believe that God, in his timing, will bring about what you need at the right time. And that's what we're going to see next week. So come back next week as we see when the time to pray gives way to a time to act. And this action that they took, as we're going to see next week, set off a chain of events that has affected us to this very day. Because they took the time to pray. Because they waited on God in the right time. And then the time to act came about. And because they acted, they had a 2,000 year impact. But until then, they took time to pray together. So I'm going to invite Mandy and Austin back up here. I'm going to say a word of prayer. They're going to sing a song. We'll sing a song together in Christ alone, a beautiful hymn, beautiful hymn in Christ alone. Uh, After that, um, Jenny and I will be uh, at the back of the room. If you have any prayer requests, you can come to us and we'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Uh, If you have something you'd like to include on our prayer list, you can take one of these connection cards, write your name, and on the back, There's a space for prayer requests. Write down what you're praying for and we'll add you to the prayer list so we can pray together uh, because we want to take time to pray. So after the song, let's all sing together. But after the song, if you you need prayer, find me or find Jenny at the back of the room. We'll be happy to pray with you and pray for you. Let me pray for us now. God, we know that you are good. We know that your plans are good. We know that your plans are bigger than us and bigger than we can understand sometimes. And sometimes that means that we're left waiting and left wondering. But it doesn't mean that you're gone. It doesn't mean that you're absent. It doesn't mean that you don't care, that you're not with us. It just means that you're shaping us. So, Father, in these times of waiting, help us to feel you. Help us to know your presence. Father, inspire us to pray. Help us to know that as we reach out to you with our hearts cry, that you do hear our prayers, that you will answer according to your will, that your will for us is always good. Even if we don't get it in the moment, even if we don't understand it, even if we can't grasp it or sense the significance of it, your will for us is always good. Even if it seems difficult, even if it seems painful, we know that in all things you are working together for good for those who love you. So, Father, as we move forward, for those of us in waiting periods, help us to trust. Allow us to pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.